I still remember my first track meet like it was a hundred years ago. Most of us were pretty nervous, but we were running on our home track, so that had to help a little. Coach taught us to pace ourselves. Our adrenaline was going to be surging, so we need to pace. I was running the 800 meter in the mile, and I wish I could sprint, but I was built for distance, not for speed. Most of the crowd came out to watch the cheetahs, so they were up first. All the sprinters, the 100-yard dash, the 200, the 400, and then it was time for us distance runners. I lined up alongside my classmates, my teammates. I lined up against my opponents. Remember your training, LJ. Strong start, strong finish. Pace yourself. It's not a sprint. It's not a sprint. It's not a sprint. Gun, I was gone. I, I got the strong start part right. But I was running like my uniform was on fire. As soon as that gun went off, I forgot all my training. All the pace yourself, not a sprint. Save something for the finish line. I forgot all about that. I sped past my teammates, past my opponents. Some of my more veteran tracksters just shook their heads when I went running by. They knew I could never last running at that pace. I would never last. I couldn't last running at that pace. It's easy to fly by everybody at the starting line, but the judges don't hand out ribbons for the ones who start the fastest. They hand out ribbons for the ones who finish the fastest, who finish strong. My short-lived eighth-grade track career could be summed up in four words, the same four words that could sum up King Saul's 40-year reign over the nation of Israel. Strong start, weak finish. Hey, good day to you, Simplified listeners. You're listening to LJ Harry, and you're listening to Strong Start, Weak Finish on Simplify. Saul started off strong. Heavyweight, bodybuilder, bench press a Chevy strong. He started off humble. He started off godly. He even prophesied a time or two when the Spirit of God moved on him. Saul was the perfect candidate for king. But only one lap around the track, only one chapter into his reign, Saul was tapping his foot and checking the gilded sundial on his wrist. The Philistines were back to bullying Israel, and Saul was on the hook to lead Israel to fight their rivals from the west coast. But Saul was doing it all right. He summoned his pastor Samuel to come to meet him in the army of Israel so they could sacrifice to God and ask for God's favor as they fought their foes. But Samuel was not there yet, and the people were getting restless, and most of them were getting worried. Saul watched as some of them hid in caves and behind rocks. Others crossed over the Jordan River to get out of danger. The ones left behind were shaking so badly you could hear their knees knocking a furlong away. Saul waited seven days. That's when Samuel said he would show up. But seven days had come, and seven days were almost gone. And Saul could not stand to watch another Israelite, especially another Israelite soldier, just walk away. So he stepped into Samuel's role and offered the sacrifice himself. I mean, really, what harm could that do? But just as the smoke was starting to clear from the sacrifice, Pastor Samuel showed up. If only Saul had waited just a few more minutes. Samuel was livid. What have you done? Saul was scared. Hey, listen, the people were scared. They were scattering. I just knew the Philistines were about to attack, and I have not yet asked God for his favor. And you, well, I mean, you're not always exactly on time all the time. 
Samuel, really, if you look at it, I had no choice. I had to offer up that sacrifice. You have to admit, I had pretty good intentions. I know I didn't do it right. I know I disobeyed what God said, but really, my heart was in the right place. Samuel unloaded on Saul. How foolish. You had one job. Wait for me. That's all you had to do. Had you waited, had you stayed in your lane and done your job as king and let me do my job as prophet, God would have established your kingdom forever. But clearly, you can't be trusted to do something simple, something simple God commanded you to do. So today, God has already chosen your successor. He's chosen a man after his own heart. Saul, your kingdom is coming to a close. Enjoy the crown, king. You won't wear it long. That was Saul's first major mistake. Two chapters later, God sent Samuel to talk to Saul again. (laughs) Talk about awkward. Hey, Rev, we good? Not even close, but the Lord sent me to tell you to march into Amalek and destroy everybody in Amalek. God remembered how the Amalekites ruthlessly attacked the elderly and the weak and the straggling when Israel came out of Egypt. God keeps good records, and he wants you to settle the accounts and avenge the Israelites for all the grief and pain and hurt Amalek caused them. Destroy them all, men, women, children, oxen, donkeys, camels, even the babies. Now, this passage is tough to understand. This is part of the nature of God we don't understand because we know not everybody who was an Amalekite was guilty of hurting God's people. But the Amalekites as a whole were sworn enemies of Israel, so much so that the parents often raised them to hate Israel and want to fight and destroy Israel. The babies grew up to be Israel's enemies when they were grown. In fact, in the amazing story of Esther, It is believed the man who tried to kill every Jew who lived in Persia, the man named Haman, was a descendant of the Amalekites. But that's a whole other episode for a whole other time. Saul marshaled his men and marched into Amalek, and they showed no mercy until they did. Saul spared the king, the best of the sheep and goats and cattle and calves and lambs and pretty much anything. If it looked good, Saul spared it, carted it back to Israel as trophies of war. Then God spoke to Samuel again. And listen to these woeful words from God to his prophet. I am sorry I ever made Saul king. He refuses to obey what I tell him. That broke Samuel's heart. He wept all night for Saul. Even though they had their run-in, Samuel knew Saul started strong, but he was finishing woefully weak. The next day, Samuel met up with Saul. And Saul said, hey, Rev, it's a beautiful day, isn't it? Hey, listen, I'm doing better. I did everything God told me to do. So that makes us good, right? About that time, Samuel heard, Sound effects are free. And Samuel answered, If you did everything God told you to do, why does that sheep over there have an Amalek license plate and who's the king in cuffs in the corner? And Saul blamed the people. Weak leadership move. Well, you you know these people, Samuel, they wanted me to spare the best of everything. They wanted to come back and sacrifice all of it to the Lord, your God. I mean, that's good, right? Sacrifice it all to, to your God? Saul already understood God was Samuel's God, not his own. Then Samuel unloaded on Saul, and before he turned on his heels to walk away from Saul once and for all, Samuel prophesied, since you rejected God's command, God has rejected you as king. Samuel turned to walk away, and Saul reached out and grabbed his robe, and his robe tore, and Samuel, like a good preacher, 
capitalized on that illustration and told Saul, the Lord has torn the kingdom from you and given it to somebody better than you. But Saul wasn't finished. He begged Samuel, honor me in front of the people. Don't embarrass me. Make me look good. Would you do that for me? Just one more time, honor me in front of the people. Because Saul was all about image and not about integrity. The very next chapter opens up with, The Lord said to Samuel, You have mourned long enough for Saul. I have rejected him as king of Israel. So get up, go fill your horn with oil, and go. I am sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. Now Saul reigned years and years and years after that day, but he reigned as a rejected king. He reigned mainly because the people were afraid of him. Saul started strong, but he finished so very weak, and it all hinged on his insatiable need to be liked and affirmed by people. As we follow Jesus, we must understand we will not always be liked. We will not always be affirmed by our world, and that's okay. We should not need their likes and thumbs up and follows on social media. We should not need our world to tell us we matter. We need to listen for one still small voice who will one day say, well done, good and faithful servant. But we will only hear him say, well done, if we have done well. But here's the beauty. If God says, well done, it doesn't matter who doesn't. But here's the danger. If God doesn't say, well done, it doesn't matter who does. Let's learn a lesson from the first king of Israel. It's not just important that we start strong. We must finish strong. And even... If we did not start strong, thank God because of His grace and through His Spirit, we can still finish strong. I'd like us to pray, ask the Lord to help us to be people of integrity, not just image, that the lives we live in real life and on social media, that those would be the same, that we would care more about what God thinks of us than what others think of us, and we would live our lives in such a way to please God and honor Him. Help us, Lord, I pray. I want to obey you. I want to honor you, glorify you, point people to you. Help us today, Jesus, and every day to live a life that glorifies and honors you, to obey your commandments as we read your word, to not only read it and hear it, but to do it, to obey it, to follow it. Help every one of us, Jesus, not only to start strong, but to finish strong. And for all those who are listening, even if they did not start their lives strong or their spiritual lives strong or have stumbled along the way, help us, Lord, every one of us to finish strong. We are listening for you to say, well done. We want to do well. We want to live well. We want to be well. I ask you, Lord Jesus, help us to learn from Saul that it is far more important how we finish than how we start. I thank you for this story in Scripture and all it teaches us. Help us to learn it and help us to live it out in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Simplify listeners. Be sure to subscribe, follow, like, share. I don't have to have likes. But if you do like the podcast, perhaps that will let others know about it. And so in some way, you're sharing with others this glorious gospel of Jesus Christ that we're sharing throughout the podcast of Simplify. Also, head over to PentecostalPublishing.com. You can pick up several books. There's Simplify the Devotional. There's Ten Words, A Practical Look at the Ten Commandments. And my newest one, Blessed Are, A Practical Look at the Beatitudes, is available on PentecostalPublishing.com and is available as an ebook. So you can get both of those digital or in print. And then 
soon, hopefully, it will be available on Audible. So you'll be able to listen to it rather than read. All that's at PentecostalPublishing.com. And if you use promo code SIMPLIFY, you can save 10% off your entire order. If it's the first time you use the promo code SIMPLIFY, save 10% off your order at PentecostalPublishing.com. Next week, I want to continue this amazing, fascinating story. And I want to share with you an episode called A King Among the Sons. I'm looking forward to sharing that with you next week. And always look forward to walking closer with Jesus as we walk through Simplify.